Aloha. Hello and welcome. We are back from theballerlifestyle.com. It's the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is, of course, Brian Beckner. Thank you very much for joining us. Episode number 418 of the show. Appreciate your patronage. I always somehow get, for some reason, get heartburn right as I start the show. I, I mean, it's chronic. It's it's, it's the, one of the many fat guy burdens that I carry. I just went, I've decided to be unfat, so, or to get less fat. I'll never be unfat, but to get less fat. So, I went on a, uh, I just went on a run three-mile run just before we started and you know it's a struggle like i gotta be honest my old bones cannot take it like they used to it's like i think i can go out and run because i used to run and when i used to run i mean i used to run when i was like 37 now i'm almost 47 and you just can't it's your body is just not as good anymore especially when you're not built for the road like me, who is a short, squatty, little wide, stocky, thick legs, thick dick. Okay, one of those things is a lie. You get it. So it's, a, it's work. It's work for me to run. It hurts. But I just did it. Um, if you are a... If you listen chronologically, if you, if you are what people describe... On this show as being hashtag team current, where you listen to this show as it comes out every week. Well, this show is going to drop on Wednesday, April 20th, which is the stoner holiday, national holiday 420. So I thought it would, I thought as a nod to the listeners, I would light up a joint and get a little stoned before we do the show. I, I, this could be a mess because I probably smoke weed in the round like three times a year range. Three on the generous side, like six times a year. And I'll do, I'll take a few puffs off a joint and that's like it. And my beautiful girlfriend, Cheyenne makes fun of me because she's like, you don't even inhale. Cause I just take like little, I do inhale by the way. I just don't. I just don't hold it in my lungs forever till I cough. I'm not fucking 16 anymore. I already told you my age a little while ago. I'm 46. So I, I fucking smoke a joint like a gentleman. So here I'm gonna light one up with my long barbecue fireplace lighter here. I do. This is a pro thing that you do is you light the lighter, put it. A, oh yeah, that smells good. Put a, just a little bit under. You don't actually touch the flame. You do the same thing with the cigar, by the way. You don't know. You just burn that paper off the end. You don't want to inhale the paper, and then you just get it a little hot on the tip with the flame, and then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, I inhale. This is like a this is a sativa pre-roll that I got at the dispensary. Imagine thinking. That someday you'd be able to walk into a weed store and 
buy a pack of joints. Like we used to talk about this in high school. Like, could how cool would that be? You know, those stupid stoner conversations you have. And now it's a reality. You can do it. And, you know, in places that have freedoms, you can go to a store and, and show identification and buy marijuana. Cannabis. Here, I'll take another hit. Don't. I inhale. Okay, my chick told me to text her when I lit it because she wants a couple puffs too. Hold on. In the process of sending text, this is not very professional, but it's okay. Come hit it. Double entendre. Okay, one more puff. Okay, that's a good start. Keep it in this little, this little, (laughs) oh my God, Uh, this little like ceramic ashtray that my daughter made at camp. Oh my God. Now I got to take a, (coughs) did my throat. I didn't see, I was trying to prove that I could take man hits. Also, these joints have been in my humidor for quite a while. So kind of dry anyway back to the show what was i talking about oh so i went on a run and now i'm trying to i'm trying to drink less so i'm i'm upping my weed intake because let's be honest you got to take the edge off somehow life is fucking hard life is a motherfucker and you got to you know you got to drop out a little bit so that's my new thing. Happy 420. You fucking loser stoners out there. Appreciate you listening. Just light up your own joint. Um, a couple things. Well, first of all, if you're not a Red Circle subscriber, you should be one. Because I'm I'm toying with the idea of doing this every each and every week where I just do a, just for subscribers, I maybe come on here and just do like 20 minutes a free form, just a solo show. And I've probably talked about this before. And you know what? If I have fuck off, I forgot. Now I remember. So if you're not, if you're not subscribed to our red circle, that's going behind the paywall, baby. You're not getting that for free. You already get as much as I'm going to give you for free. You've got, you've maxed out on free. My voice. You're all fucking shops closed on free shit. You get, the, you get plenty of free shit. You get like an hour and a half every week of free shit. Me and Ed talking. You're going to get that this week. Oh, by the way, we're doing... It's rambling. Uh, we're, do, we're reviewing a movie today. Ed is... I should have said this at the beginning. Ed is away. He's um, on vacation. Spring break. So we pre-recorded a movie review. A, a really like important movie to me as a child. And I talk about it. I explain why in the in the uh, movie review that we do. It's Ed, myself, and our dear friend Caleb, aka at Bird Respector. We discuss the 1985 action classic, Remo Williams: colon, The Adventure Begins. They really, they really were going to try to chise that. They were really going to try to sabalos it and make it a make it a franchise. And you know what? It didn't happen. Apparently, they tried to make a 
TV movie later with a different without Fred Ward. How are you going to how you going to have Remo Williams without Fred Ward? Anyway, we we discuss it. It's bonkers like anybody that's seen it knows what I'm talking about and I'll save it. I'm not, I'm not going to give you that detail. You can hear it when that part of the show starts to play, but anybody that remembers Remo Williams colon the adventure begins knows why in light of the of the current climate that we live in that the even in 1985 it the choice that they made in that movie is nuts. And in 1985, no one said anything about it. I looked at the reviews. Nobody mentioned it in the reviews. No one talks about the, uh, a, an insane cho- casting choice they me- made in that movie. But we do t- talk about it in the in the movie review that you're going to hear after I stop rambling. So join, sign up for our Red Circle. Click the link in the show notes. Go there right now and sign up it's 50 bucks if you buy the whole year or it's five bucks a month you want to get a little taste you know you want to get a you want to nibble on the teat of my red circle of my bonus content and you just pay the five bucks pay the five bucks cancel whenever or or you're already into me you you saw me across the bar you know what's up you're feeling me you're ready to get balls deep. Go ahead and buy that whole year. It's 50 bucks. Click the link in the show notes or go to my Twitter at Brian Beckner. My pinned tweet is a, is a link to sign up to the red circle, or you can go to the ballerlifestyle.com and click the link at the top of the page. Somebody's back for another hit of the old jizz oint back there. It's getting a little greedy. Um, a couple things I wanted to get to. This week, because we did we did have the movie recorded, but I was thinking about a couple of things that we discussed last week. And if you haven't yet, go back and listen to episode 417, because we talked about a couple of things. Oh, and this is what spurred it. I got I received. Did she take my joint? Oh, let's take another hit of it. She came and she relit it quietly. You might have heard the lighter clicking, but she left it lit. Now I'm going to take another hit of it because this is a fucking this is a stoner show. And it's look, I know I sound stoned because I am. Okay, one more hit. Oh my god, don't cough. Oh my god. Oh my god. I just dropped the ash on my taxes. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Jesus. Cleaning lady came today. <clears throat> so we talked about a couple things last week that I wanted to get deeper into just because I had a little room to flow with it this this week. Seeing as Ed was gone. And one of the things that we discussed came up this week. So last week we discussed how one time, what do you mean Gmail is temporarily unable to access your, con- oh, I don't care about that. I'm not sending an email. Last week we discussed how almost presidential assassin, John Hinckley, formerly John Hinckley Jr. And I just, just was kind of glancing at his Wikipedia page hold on i was just looking and it says john hinckley american man who attempted assassinate u.s president parents oh no never mind i saw i saw i thought i saw parents and it said scott hinckley that's his brother 
I'm like, how's he a junior if his dad's name's Scott? Don't worry about it. How do you, how do you think the... I mean, at least at least Ted Kaczynski, his brother turned him in. So it's like, hey, isn't your brother the Unabomber? Yeah, yeah. Guess what? I got the fucking reward. How do you think I got this house? Turning my fucking brother in once I read that manifesto. And by the way, he got MK Ultra. Also, by the way, he was right. He shouldn't have blown people up. But he had the right idea and we're all fucked now because of technology, just like he said back then. So whatever. But if your brother's John Hinckley... Like, how do you, where are you at with that? That's got to be kind of tough because you got the same ass name. You know, people are probably like, oh, that was a long time ago. I remember I was in kindergarten, kindergarten when John Warnock Hinckley Jr. did his thing. Do we know if he was MK Ultra? Well, hold on. We'll get back to that. So last week we discussed how he's, he's out, by the way. He went to an institution, I think. And he's been there since I was in or, you know, a little after kindergarten, because that's when he did his thing. I remember my, somebody came in the classroom during class, during kindergarten and said, Hey, told the teacher, like whispered something to the teacher. I remember her being in the front of the room, like reading to us. Was it first grade or kindergarten? I went to Montessori. So there's not really like grades there. I'm pretty sure I was kindergarten age. And then the, and then the kindergarten teacher, Miss Colleen Montessori, you call them by their first names, Miss Colleen. She dropped it on us. Somebody shot the president. Like does, does a six year old need that info or five, whatever I was. I feel like, you know, you save that for mom and dad. Maybe just, maybe teacher doesn't drop that. Although I'm, I don't recall being too affected by it. I think somebody might've cried, but you know, it's little kids cry about everything. So anyway, last week we were talking about how John Hinckley, he's dropped the junior, by the way, his old man must've kicked off. And maybe it just like, you know, it's put some distinction between the, the one time almost murderer John Hinckley and the current indie rocker, singer songwriter, John Hinckley. So we talked about this last week, how he's, he's relaunched himself since being released from the institution he was in. He's relaunched himself, and now he's, he's a recording artist. He's, he's recording... Oh, yeah, here it is. He's recording his own music, and he's got a bunch of songs out, and, and he's also playing shows, and his shows are selling the fuck out. And I was like, hey, we should get John Hinckley, no longer junior on the show. Cause I'm like, look, I'm a fan. I'm not a fan of trying to kill the president. Okay. Just put that out there. But I'm a fan of his, his current incarnation because it's great. Like he just, he makes the same face in the camera and he posts these pictures on of him just like looking goofy on Twitter. And it's, I find it amusing. But what I realized is last week, when we talked about him, I realized a couple things. I had yet to listen to one of his songs and I think that's important. So I thought we would experience that together today, but also I mentioned to Ed, Hey, well, how about we get him on the show? And then Ed's like, Oh yeah, I'll ask him a bunch of Jody Foster questions. And I mean, you know, look, I'm not completely against that, but I thought we could build up to that. You know, we play it straight at first. Then we get it, you know, 
we asked the tough questions here. Let's just say that. So, I mean, and I know you people think I'm fucking around because usually I am just bullshitting out of, like I would have forgotten, but for some reason, the next time I, oh no, that's what it was. Later that week after the show dropped, John Hinckley's swinging his dick around on Twitter talking about how he sold out here. I'll read you the tweet. Let's we're here. You know, we're here. We're talking. Don't worry. We'll get to the other stuff. He he's goes on uh, Twitter and he's bragging about how, how all his shows are selling out. He's like, Oh yeah. I'm too, I, he's like, um, here's all his songs. He's like, Hey, I'm playing the show in Brooklyn. And then he's like, Hey, it sold out. So like, you know, maybe I'll add some more shows or whatever, which is great. You know, it's a small venue. He's starting, he's just starting out. But then I see this tweet. I plan to do some live shows this summer and fall. Just me and my guitar singing songs. Just a quick aside. Tough to hold somebody's attention. If it's just you and a guitar, I don't care who the fuck you are. Tough, tough, tough to sit down with your guitar, even if you got the fucking best songs in the world, and play for an hour and a half and keep an audience wrapped. Maybe John Hinckley can do it. I would suggest adding some other instrumentation. I would say, you know, maybe you do it as a three piece and you know, you don't have to play loud. You get a drummer that plays those fan thingies. What are those called? Nine, four, nine, four, six, four TBLS. They're not, they're not called fan thingies. There's a name for them. And it escapes me, but you get a drummer like that with just, you know, a little small kit playing the fan thingies. And then you get a bass player, not acoustic bass. Cause nobody plays one of those, but you get, just get a regular ass bass player. Just kind of fill out the sound a little bit. And this, then people got something to look at. It's not just you and your guitar. That's a suggestion. And you know what? I'm going to suggest it because I'll go on here. He continues in his tweet. If you wish to book a show, send email to John Hinckley management at gmail.com. Now it's interesting to me because even I have the baller lifestyle.com is, is it, do people not care if you're just, if your professional email is Gmail now? Like if you're, I'm not saying like if you're, you know, a freelancer or something, but if you're like trying to be a business, shouldn't he buy John Hinckley.com or almost presidential assassin, John Hinckley, or like I'm better now, John, whatever, you know, it's just like Gmail. Anyway, that's his email. If you wish to book a show, send an email to John Hinckley management at gmail.com. So me, and you, I know what you're thinking, bullshit. Cause you never do anything, Brian. And you're right. Hold on. My throat's all dry now. Cause this is the high show. Uh, the joint kind of <clears throat> dried out the old instrument. So I follow through with that. I cut and paste, motherfucker. I cut and paste that email address into a fucking fresh email. And I, and I say the following. Hi, comma. What am I supposed to... Obviously, he's not reading. I was going to do hi, John. It's kind of annoying when you don't know the person you're writing to. And, you know, it probably wouldn't have been that hard for me to, like, Google John Hinckley manager. But I didn't think of it till right now. So I just said hi, comma. Does John do appearances on podcasts? 
My name is Brian Beckner, and I host the Baller Lifestyle Podcast, parenthesis, theballerlifestyle.com. We would love to be able to interview John and discuss his music career, songwriting process, and what it's like to be playing these big shows. Please let me know if we can book about 20 minutes sometime soon. Thanks. Brian Beckner. And below that, I put my phone number, which I will not be reading. People have asked guests of the show to give to them my phone number before, which I thought was a little weird. You hit me on the DM. Like, you can get a hold of people without sending a text, right? Well, I had forgotten that I emailed John Hinckley Jr. Management at gmail.com until I received this. Hi, Brian. Exclamation point. I'm Alina. And she's an ampersand for the and. This is a millennial or a Gen Z. I'm Alina ampersand. I manage JH. Oh, that's fucking, that's pretty badass. Unfortunately, comma, we're going to have to pass on this opportunity. Best of luck in all of your endeavors. Alina P. Bracketed John Hinckley Management. So we got Heisman by Hinckley. And look, I wouldn't be doing much press either if I were him. He doesn't, I mean, I haven't heard him talk. And we have yet to hear him sing. We're about to. Oh, I responded. I forgot. Thanks, Alina. Let me know if he changes his mind. What was I saying? See, it's the weed. Don't do weed, guys. Oh, John Hinckley. Uh, yes, I get why he didn't want to come on the show. He's He doesn't seem, just based on the picture, the one picture of him, it's actually several pictures, and it's, I mean, his face... I, I, I got to assume, go to his Twitter, John Hinckley, at John Hinckley on Twitter, because he's, I imagine that the, his social media people are like coaching him up to have this aloof look on his face, or maybe it's the lithium. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but he's selling out shows. He tried to kill the president. When was that? John Warnock Hinckley, born May 29th, 1955. Is it a man? Who's... Hey, John Hinckley. Oh, you don't live in California. I was going to see who does his Medicare. I could hook him up. This is an American man who attempted to assassinate U.S. President Ronald Reagan in Washington, D.C. on March 30th, 1981. Kindergarten. Two months after Reagan's first inauguration. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Barely been the president. Using a 22 caliber revolver, Hinckley wounded Reagan. Police officer Thomas Delahanty and Secret Service Secret Service agent Tim McCarthy. He critically wounded Press Secretary James Brady, who was disabled in the shooting and died from his injuries 33 years later. I'm surprised he didn't get a Hinkley didn't can't they retry you? Can't they hold out for the murder charge until somebody dies from the thing you caused? Hinkley was reportedly seeking fame to impress Jody Foster, with whom he had an obsessive fixation. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity and remained under institutional psychiatric care for over three decades. 
Public outcry over the verdict led to insanity, defense. Oh, because he pled insanity. In 2016, a federal judge ruled that Hinckley could be released from psychiatric care as he was no longer considered a threat to himself or others, albeit with many conditions. After 2020, a ruling was issued that Hinckley may showcase his art. Oh, is what we're doing right now. His, his artwork, writings, and music publicly under his own name rather than anonymously as he had in the past. Oh, so this shit was out. Since then, he has maintained a YouTube channel and his... Restri- okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a... Oh, this guy's a college grad? He went to Texas Tech? Guys, how, how many presidents is, are te- is Texas going to kill or attempt to kill? Quite a few, or at least a couple at this point. Oh, he's a full-on... T- oh, he's born in Oklahoma. Grew up in University Park. Oh, Highland Park High School. Isn't that where Clayton Kershaw went? And I mean, it's you could say any high school in the Dallas area, and I would probably say it's this, it's the one that Clayton Kershaw went to and Matt Stafford. But I don't, I don't know. I just clicked on the notable alumni athletics. Fred Benners. Come on, Clayton Kershaw. Yep, Hank Keeney. Not Hank Haney. Remember that when we had a Hank Haney and a Hank Keeney? Hank Keeney was that guy that could bomb it and also used to sex Venus Williams, which, hey, different strokes. Oh, he's got a sister, Kelly Keeney, LPGA golf. Oh, my God, another one. There's all sorts of Keenies that went there. They're a legacy. Scotty Scheffler, Masters champion. Bunch of Matt Stafford, Doak Walker. He of the award. James A. Baker, Justice of the Texas Supreme Court. A lot of people went to Highland High School, including John Hinckley Jr. would be attempted assassin president Ronald Reagan. Okay, Ronald Reagan. Okay. I think you see the point. We we discussed John Hinckley Jr., but we didn't play one of his songs. I'm kind of scared to now. I mean, it might be the weed. But now I'm kind of like, is uh, also I've been watching Severance. I believe Ed recommended it on the show. It's fantastic, but it's a little, makes you a little scared for the world. Okay, let's check out this. This song is called Dark as the Night. It's the first one I clicked on by former or current would-be presidential assassin, John Hinckley. Oh my God, I'm not signed into Spotify. I didn't know you needed to be. I mean, I have a Spotify. Hold on, I'll play it from my phone. That's signed into Spotify. Please hold. See if I had a producer. A producer could do this for me. But I got to do it myself. It's a one-man show here. John. This is going to fuck up my algo. I kind of didn't want to sign in. I'm not that. Okay. This is the one we're about to play. Dark is the Night. John Hinckley. about that one it's i'll be honest i think it kind of sucks he is doing a thing he's doing a um it's like a, a 
atmospheric, like psychedelic psych folk thing that he's got going on there. Um, I'm not sure how well he's executing it. Now that's not his big song though. So let's, let's get him. And also he does not have the streams. I mean, for, you know, it's a pretty well-known guy. His top song only has 21,000 streams. Let's play this one. This one's called Never Ending Quest, and then we can move on. Let's make a decision on John Hinckley's music here. Okay, I got, I got to be honest. I let that play a little bit. This is kind of good. I'm not mad at this shit. Also, I don't want like John Hinckley's management team to go through my, to run some software on podcasts and find that song and copyright my ass. So I think the jury's out. There may be something there. Look. He's had a lot of time, a lot of time to write some songs. You know, it's he's been in the joint or the nut house for thirty years. Figure he's come up with some shit by now. <clears throat> there was one more thing we discussed last week. Moving on, and that was old Boris Becker. We were talking about Boris Becker, the f- English tax people. Harry and Will, they want their money. And he's had to declare bankruptcy even though he chills in Mallorca now. I saw him one time at a... I don't know if I said this on the show last week. I saw him one time at a hotel in in Munich. And he was a big dude. He was a big dude. And he was with a not unattractive female. I mean, she was a model. She was at least as tall as him. And uh, she was exotic, which I think is his thing. So good for Boris Becker. He's done some things right. He fucking had a hell of a serve back in the day. But now they want his money. And we were talking about how he got hit with that paternity back in the day. And I assert that he thought he couldn't impregnate the Russian model because it it was a strictly oral connection. And that is not the way babies are made. As far as I know, there's only one way to make the babies and that's through the front door. So, and I wanted to, so I just remember hearing that and I'm not sure it's true. So I found some links and I know we're going to find out together. Game set and DNA match against Becker. Hold on. I think there's one before that. That's better. Hold on. I saw one. Becker gives details of broom closet romp. Okay. Tennis star reveals all in new book. Well, you wrote a book. Oh, this is in 2003. I think I saw him around either. Oh, around 04 was the time I saw old Becker. So it was after the book. You didn't make enough off this book. You probably didn't pay taxes on the book. That's why he owes. Okay. 
He has previously previously described it as a not as not an affair, just poom ba boom. But last night, Boris Becker gave the most graphic account yet of how he became a father for the third time following his celebrated brief encounter. I'm not subscribed to this website. You think I would read this? But I want to discover it together. That's the thing. In the first installment of... Oh, wait. Brief encounter with a waitress in the broom cupboard of a London restaurant. Whoa, dude. You're hitting it at work? Aggressive. Wow. In I thought if she was like a model, I thought they were just like partying. And he was, see, this is a detail I had wrong. In the first installment of his new autobiography, Hold On, comma, Stay a While. Got to work on that title, buddy. That's probably why I didn't sell. How about I'm, I'm fucking one Wimbledon three times? You know, like, hold on, stay a while. It doesn't say anything about you. Boris Becker revealed that he had sex with the waitress, Angela uh, Ermakova, only hours after his pregnant then wife, Barbara, wow, had gone into hospital with contractions. Wow, Boris needs it. Could you imagine? Your old lady's like, hey, it's time. It's, if you're a father, you know this moment. I remember the moment. My first child, I heard my first child. Well, I didn't know he was going to come, but I had passed out on the couch, whiskey drunk. And the boy's mother came downstairs and shook me awake. And she's like, hey, I don't know. Something's going on. I think I'm having contractions. And I'm like, what? And because the baby wasn't supposed to come for like a month and a half. And I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. So I, you know what I didn't do? Call her a cab and then head to the trendy Nobu restaurant in London. I went with her ass and we were in the hospital for like a day and a half. And then my son was born during a Dodger game where I believe the Dodgers beat Milwaukee six to two or something. And Jeff Kent hit a home run. But you know how I remember? Because I was there. I wasn't getting blown in restaurant cupboards. Let's get back to that. Uh, Angela Ermakova, Russian sounding. Could be Polish. I'm going I'm to lean Russian here. Only hours after his pregnant then wife Barbara had gone into hospital with contractions. While Mrs. Becker was being treated, she was giving birth, dude. I, look, it's not the 50s when you go... And, and then back then, did they have bars in hospitals or near hospitals? While Mrs. Becker was being treated, the former Wimbledon tennis champion consoled himself with a couple beers. He then repaired to the bar of the trendy Nobu restaurant in London. It was then that Becker met Miss Ermakova. His wife's in labor. After five, This is bonkers. After five minutes of small talk, he followed her into the darkest corner of the restaurant which turned out to be the broom cupboard and got down to business now this is solidly 20 years after boris becker was a well-known 
tennis player. And I get that he's big, handsome German guy with money. So it's, you know, I'm sure he could get blown in the corner of trendy Nobu London on his own merits, but I'm just going to guess Miss Aramakova knew he was a tennis player and I, and yeah, he's in London where he did work in Wimbledon. But is he, is he recognizable 20 years after I get she'd, you know, if Roger Federer wanted to throw, I get tennis is, I mean, he doesn't, let's be honest. Roger Federer would not be into it. Is the sense I get great player. If Novak Djokovic Djokovic, he would, he'd take her up on it. I almost guarantee wanted to throw. She'd recognize him because they're current players or they weren't in 2003. Bad example. Stefan Edberg. I don't know. Anyway, she, her and Becker. Oh wait, what drove me into the night again? I don't know. Boris writes. Oh wow. Who wrote this? He needs a, he needs a, a refund on that ghostwriter. What drove me out into the night again? I don't know. Boris writes. Afterwards, she went back to her friends, and after another beer, Becker went back to his hotel. The following morning, I drove... I mean, what a fucking Cyrano over here. Hey, let me go... Because it hasn't mentioned the oral yet. He's like, hey, how about you go... How about we go over here and suck it in the corner? And then you can get back to your friends. Because my wife's in labor. (laughs) The following morning, I drove to Barbara. We packed our 28 tennis bags and suitcases and left England. Whoa, I thought the mom... I thought the wife was in labor. They just... What about the baby? Becker, whose autobiography is published next week, claims that he thought nothing more of the encounter until a fax arrived eight months later at his office in Munich. That's where I saw him. The fax from Miss Aramakova bluntly announced that he was about to become a father. Naturally, I remembered this the evening, but for God's sake, this couldn't be true, he explains in his book, which is being serialized by the man. Okay, okay. The former tennis star revealed that he then hired private detectives to follow the waitress, but called them off and decided to accept paternity. Oh, this is after the fact. You don't look. He, he, he put the Pinkertons on it to see if he could Ray Carruth the situation realized that wasn't possible, had second thoughts. And he's like, look, I got give her some of my Wimbledon money and be done with this. But he called them off and decided to accept paternity long before a secret DNA test later confirmed that he was indeed the father of Anna. Ms. Mrs. Becker, meanwhile, was, quote, surprised, but, quote, not hysterical. Wow. Are we still using hysterical? This is an old article. After learning of her husband's infidelity, of course, she knew. Certainly my straying hastened the split with Barbara. The tensions had been getting worse for months, he says. The couple split up shortly afterward. Uh, Lurid revelations. Let's get to the blowy. Impression that Becker, other children, scant understanding. I find him attractive. Asked why women seem to find him attractive. Boris replied, no idea. I'm not especially rich. I'm not especially pretty, pretty, pretty. I'm no Adonis. And my manhood isn't over enormous? 
Jeez, Boris. <laughs> what a detail. Preaching to the choir, buddy. He added philosophically, sex is totally overvalued in our society. Blah, blah, blah. Where's the blowjob? The book is Becker's latest money-making venture. Oh, he was evading taxes back then. Since the broom cupboard and his retirement as a player in 1999, most of his vast fortune has disappeared because he needs it. He's out spending money. Six weeks ago, he he moved to Switzerland to get away from the German taxes. Oh, he was only 35 back then? He's not that old. I will learn... To love, oh, that's right. Because remember, he won his first Wimbledon when he was like eighteen. Uh, this says nothing about the blowjob. Like, is this is this an oral situation, or have we? Is that just? I'm starting to think we may have been sold a bill of goods. Something tells me that Boris probably his initial excuse was, "Oh, you can't be pregnant. You only blew me." Now, look, she does have a Russian last name, so take that into account. Let's see if this other article says anything about the blowjob, surreal tales, paternity suit. He accepted, conceding that he was the father. No boo. Central London. No words on its trendiness. He, ex- I take responsibility. Blah, blah, blah. I need the word blowjob. I hope this statement... Children are important. Armakova met him at the Met Bar. Oh, this is this is a two location situation. So they, he was feeling her a little bit at the Met Bar, and then he's like, "Let's bounce over to Nobu. I know the bartender." In the weeks after his farewell Wimbledon, he lost. Blah, blah, Pat Rafter. Oh yeah, Pat Rafter was the guy that would go with the uh, headband. Later that evening, she and Becker had sex. She says sex. So this is not. This, this is not an oral sex situation. But despite the baby's resemblance to Becker, ooh, ginge, the three times Wimbledon champion denied he was the father. His lawyer suggested that Miss... Oh, here we go. God damn it, we got to it. His lawyer suggested that Miss Ermakova had inseminated... Now, that's a word. If you're using that word... You're talking about some serious shit. I don't care if it's that Kentucky Derby winner that inseminates three, four times a day, 250 grand a pop. That's a, that's a serious conversation. You're talking insemination. I don't care if you're if you're breeding Yorkies. We're talking insemination. We're ta- we're having a real fucking conversation and we're doing it right now. His lawyers suggested that Miss Aramakova had inseminated herself with his sperm after oral sex. A deception the German newspaper Bild Zitung claimed was part of a blackmail plot devised by the Russian mafia. Now let's hold on, let's read that again because I didn't understand it. Despite the baby's resemblance to Becker, the three times Wimbledon champion denied he was the father. His lawyers suggested that Miss Ermakova had inseminated herself with his sperm after oral sex, a deception the German newspaper Bildzeitung claimed was part of a blackmail pot plot devised by the Russian mafia. Oh, so his lawyers are like, well, 
whether or not he was blackmailed, the baby is still the baby. Like, however she was inseminated, it doesn't matter if the rush, if it was the Russian mafia's idea, he's still responsible. I don't know how they do it. They're pretty wild over there in England and they're super wild over there in Russia. So who knows? They might have different rules. But last month, Becker agreed to DNA test to ascertain if he was the father and yesterday accepted the results corroborated by Miss Ermakova's claim. The legal battle, which began on Monday, came to a swift end yesterday, blah, blah, blah. So it's a little murky. It's It doesn't seem like Boris is really hanging on to the she just blew me story. I feel like things got a little freaky. Boris, who's apparently not too well hung, he he wanted to get it in and did so. And she was accepting. And, and an insemination take, took place. Look, he's got a bunch of other kids too. He, uh, you know, he does his thing. Oh, hold on, there's more. Becker and his wife Barbara separated two weeks before their seventh wedding anniversary in December last year, immediately before the tennis player was publicly linked with German rapper Sabrine Settler. Last month, they were granted a divorce. Now, hold on. Is this the chick I saw him with? I'll tell you right now, because I'll remember. Copy. Pay Sabrine. German rapper. Yep, that's her. I saw him with this chick. 100%. I saw him with this chick at a hotel bar. You know, she's got an Instagram at a hotel bar in Munich where he is based. She's getting a little older. Yeah, that's her. That's her. I saw him with her. Out. Anyway, it's it seems like he that was a story he went with to try to curry favor. And maybe maybe that's because he could something something he could tell his wife. I don't I imagine that you're you're running around on a wife like that, Barbara Becker. There's a name. And you want to be able to say, look, honey, you were in labor. I just went down to the trendy Nobu London for a few laggers. So I didn't have to hear you fucking cry in pain. I didn't know something was going to happen, but hey, don't sweat it. It was only a blowjob. Then she comes back with the I'm knocked up and he's got, he's fucking, he's Daryl Green. He's Deion Sanders. He's fucking backpedaling. <laughs> Hip swivel. And he's he's got he's got to come up with something else. And you know what you do in that situation? Well, what you do is come clean. But what most people do is what Boris does: throws a fucking another lie on top of it. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, it can't be my kid. She only gave me a blowjob. And then he goes, and then he goes, unless the Russian mafia talked her into saving my ejaculate and injecting it into her womb. Or do they, do they harvest in it? Can they freeze it? 
Cause you'd want to do it. If you had the money, be a good investment. You get some, your mafia dudes, get some money together, give her an artificial insemination. But of course that's not what happened. Cause Boris was full of fucking shit. He fucked that chick and he didn't want to tell his wife because it's kind of hard to come back from a raw dogging. You, you let your wife know that you raw dogged. She's thinking about it. She knows, you know, she knows you've, you've been skin to skin in the holiest of holies, a blow job. Wives and girlfriends. They can get over that. They can get over. Hey, I was at trendy Nobu London. She wanted to blow me in the corner. I, what, do you, what do you expect me to say? I'm Boris Becker. I need it. You know I need it. But to go to know that he was getting balls deep, skin to skin, that had to be an issue for Barbara Becker. And I don't blame her. I think Boris is kind of full of shit here. Although, he's welcome to come on the show. I'd love to discuss with him. Maybe he's got a different story. I, apparently he's taken responsibility and he, and he's got a daughter, Anna, who he loves. So it all worked out for the best. Hopefully he can get his, can he go to card shows? Is there card shows for tennis? Somebody's got to like put them on like they do, like they did with Vince young. Can't isn't Prince or Wilson. Don't they need an ambassador? Put Boris on, like put him on, make him your sponsor him. He probably, he probably just blows the money. That's the issue. Okay. That's it. I got a couple more things to talk about. I wanted to talk about how, um, it, apparently people clean their AirPods or AirBuds, as I mistakenly call them almost every day. Apparently people clean their AirBuds by sucking on them. And I just was looking at an article about that and thought maybe we discuss it, but maybe we do that at another time. Maybe we do with when Ed comes back. Uh, there was just a couple things. I wanted to catch up on a couple things we discussed last week. If you have not already go back and listen to episode 417 and enjoy the film that we discussed. Remo Williams, the adventure begins with myself, Ed Daly. And of course our dear friend, Caleb at bird respecter on Twitter, check them out and check out the movie. Thanks. I am joined now, as always, by Mr. Ed Daly. Ed, what's up? Um, I'm I'm excited. Ten, so nine year old nine year old me is really pumped for what we're about to do. Yeah, same. I actually have a I have a little story about this movie. Uh, we are also joined by frequent guest of the show. He comes on. He he brings a fresh perspective to our movie reviewing experience of course i'm talking about our dear friend caleb aka at bird respecter caleb what's up buddy how's it going guys thanks hey, for having me again. doing well uh okay we're, we're gonna talk about remo williams i'm sure if you're of a certain age you're definitely aware if you're not of a certain age you're absolutely unaware and i would encourage you to download the tubi app and watch this movie because it is it is worth your time but first we lost a legend this week we certainly did rest in peace rest in peace the ballers hope you rest in peace 
You won't laugh no more. This guy brought us a lot of laughs. You won't smile. And no smiles. A lot of smiles. Yeah. You won't laugh no more. And the laughs again. Nope. And you won't fuck no more. I don't, I'm just, he don't wasn't really doing much of that. Yeah. We hope you rest in R.I.P. Ed, who did we lose tragically today? The great Gilbert Gottfried, 67 years old. One yeah. of the more unique comedians I'll say. ever. Really, really one of those guys that was just born to be what he was. Like, it's you, he couldn't have existed in any other capacity on this planet. Right. He could be like a teacher. He couldn't be somebody working behind the counter somewhere. He, he couldn't do anything else. Yeah. The dude was a comic. 67. He's... He was 67 for like the last 30 years. He's one of those guys right. that was just the same age the whole time. Yeah. Look pretty good for 67. Yeah. But look pretty 67 for 43. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> I remember he used to host those like overnight movies with like, oh my God, there was some woman. She was like a knockoff Elvira character yes. with the yes, giant yes. implants. It, I was, think it was still part of the USA Up All Night. Yes. Up all night thing. Uh, very sad to see him go. He was doing nine eleven jokes on nine twelve. I mean, the guy re- he was not a pussy. He went for it. He was he was a a comics. Comic he was doing sure. he was doing Fukushima jokes. Yeah. Uh, the morning of Fukushima. Oh, I lost that Aflac sponsorship. It hurt him. Yeah, I mean that it's a trash company. Yeah. I mean, but if you know. He's he's just trying to make a buck. I don't, you know, I don't I don't begrudge him for for taking the sponsorship, but way to go for to be sponsored by a Japanese company and make tsunami jokes a couple days after a tsunami in Japan. I mean, yeah. He I don't was just that. what what was his joke? He he talked about surfing the waves. Yeah, it was right. there was he yeah. he just he always just went right for it yeah. and I think what what helped uh, make me like him more was all the comedians you respect, respected yeah, the him. hell. He, they just loved his set of balls. That he comedian. would just he yes. would just fucking go for it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Sudden loss, big loss. R.I.P. Gilbert Goffrey, one of those guys you just thought would be around forever. Okay, we're so talking. Yeah, this movie. The first question I I would like to know is what knowledge, if any, did you have of it, Caleb? Uh, (laughs) None. I'd never heard of it. Uh, (laughs) It came out. So it came out before I was born. Never heard of it. Never. No. I asked a couple of my friends about it, even some of my like movie nerd friends. And it was, I don't know. I don't know what movie this is. I don't know what you're talking about. So brand new flying blind. Uh, well, maybe not necessarily blind. Cause I, <laughs> I did, I did some homework for sure. I actually, uh, read, <laughs> always do. I read, I didn't finish it. I had no intention of finishing it, but I read one of the books, a, a the destroyer. Chunk of it. Yeah. The destroyer. Uh huh. And boy, howdy. If you think this movie was something, <laughs> the books are, you know, that you never can really capture a, a, a book perfectly in film, but this does a pretty good job. Well, they would. <laughs> I mean, this was intended to be a franchise. They were going to take the oh, series yeah. of books and try to make much like the James Bond. This, this yeah. is supposed to be like a, the working man's James Bond. That it was it. called yeah. The Adventure Begins. Yeah. 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 They like hired uh, a bunch of 
directors and the guy who wrote uh, Moonraker and all that stuff, all the people that worked on James Bond to make this, you know, blue class or blue collar working class James Bond. And uh, so Guy Hamilton, the director. Yeah, he did. I mean, he he did Goldfinger and Live and Let Die. Yep. He did four Bond movies, but like two of the two of the best Bonds um, he did. So they were clearly going for it. And, and he had to be pretty old at the time, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, trying to create something. This is very much a budget James Bond. I mean, this is he just had took the writer just had some old ideas and threw them in there because there's there's I mean, it's basically it's they take a cop and teach him parkour. He gets really good at parkour (laughs) and that's and then he's suddenly like the fucking perfect weapon. Um, This movie, I'll tell you my experience with this movie. This was a pretty. I mean, as a kid, it was pretty badass. I, I, my dad, my dad lived in another state when I was growing up. And so I would occasionally go there to visit him. And he was one of these dudes. And this was big in the eighties. He had the two VCR set up. So he would rent all the movies from the fucking movie store. And then he'd watch them. He's really into movies. Then he'd watch them. And if he liked the movie, he would tape it onto a blank tape. And so I went out there to visit him when I was nine years old. And he's like, hey, you got to see this movie. And he's like, so he showed it to me. Bootlegged. Yeah, bootlegged. And I'm like, he's like, you love it, right? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I love it. And he's like, look, he's like, I'll rent it again. And I'll make another tape of it because I love it too. And he goes, but you take this one home with you. And I fucking took that tape home and I watched it often. That's, I was that's into a beautiful it. story. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, uh, my experience was we, my dad was transferred to Miami and I knew nobody. And like, I don't know when this movie premiered exactly, but I think it was kind of early in my tenure in Miami. And so on the weekend we would go to the movies as a family. Cause there was no like, but there were no sleepovers with buddies. I didn't really know anybody. And we went as a family, like with my two sisters. Shut up. We yeah. Were, I mean, I think my one sister was like in preschool. Yes. We, this is crazy. And we all went to Remo Williams. And I, I mean, I was too young to, to have an erection, but I yeah. had whatever a nine-year-old boy had. I was like, I was going crazy. And so re-watching it, I can kind of see where nine-year-old me loved it but I can also see where I'm guessing Caleb. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say I, I started a, a now watching Twitter thread on, and then I stopped because it was the movie did grow on me and I have complicated, I've complicated thoughts on it. First I was like, Oh my God, what the fuck did you guys make me watch? It's like every like six months. I'm like, as soon as I'm picking my life up and things are going well for me, Brian will just message me like, Hey, do you want to watch this shitty movie? <laughs> <laughs> throws me off. We've, uh, we've, we've thrown some bad ones at you. Well, although I will give you guys credit for uh, rekindling my love of the fast, uh, the fast saga for sure. Yeah. Everything I know about the fast saga, you taught me. Oh yeah. You're, you're the Oracle <laughs> you're of the, the fast yeah. movies. You're for the us. fast historian. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Brie Larson confirmed for fast 10, baby. I'm all. Fuck out. Yeah. They already went to space. What's yeah, next? What are they going to do next? Well, uh, they're going to go to space Underwater? two Atlantis. <laughs> there you go. Time travel. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm seeing it. They've been underwater, by the way, Ed. Um, also, <laughs> also, but also, we were kind enough to introduce you to Commando, and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Remo Williams, there was like four movies like this a year in our yeah. childhoods. Like th- this was just like a regular kind of action movie that came out with some fucking badass white guy that fucked a lot of people up, usually Russian types. So it's it's it was just one of those movies that, you know, we were super excited about as kids. And, you know, looking back, the whole genre was pretty weak. I don't know, you know. Uh, there was like a lot of thought and production value that went into this. Like, I'm not talking shit. Like, they had. So, I was looking into the uh, kind of the production credits and stuff. Like, even the cinematographer, Andrew Laszlo. And if you don't know who that is, because like, I was kind of like, what caught my eye about it was like it had this really old school, distinct like cinematography style that you get like from older movies, where like yeah. the scenes are less dense and every camera shot lasts longer as like a relic from a different area of, of uh, filmmaking. And that's Andrew, Andrew Laszlo for sure. You've done a lot of really early stuff. Uh, anyone listening might recommend, uh, recognize him from the warriors. So it's kind of got oh, that, yeah. like, yes. menacing shots of just mm-hmm. facial expressions yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, man, I get it. Like, so you have to, you know, contextually, I think, man, they did a lot of things, right. But it was such a fucking trainer. I feel like if they had just picked like one thing, they tried to do a lot of things that tried to be like action and funny. And it's like, if you just picked a lane, this would have been, this kicked so much more ass. Well, there, I mean, there was one choice specifically that was bonkers. And it, but this, I mean, yes, this, <laughs> I mov- this movie was made by a real studio, by real filmmakers. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. and it looks it for the time. It was very cutting edge and it, you know, it doesn't look cheap in comparison to the no, movies that were made at the time. I agree and with that. I, I also want to point out right before we get to the decision that they made. <laughs> yeah. Executive producer Dick, Dick Clark. Clark was yeah. involved and, yeah. and was the reason they were able to get Statue of Liberty. Uh, oh, right. Status. And I've, I've read in, in some notes that, they were never allowed to touch the real Statue of Liberty. So in Mexico City, they rebuilt a bust up Statue of Liberty, but they were allowed to be on the scaffolding of the real thing um, for several shots. Um, It was actually under construction and they did. It was, well, it was a big deal because I'm from New Jersey and for like two years, they were getting it ready for the hundred year in 1986. So it was under scaffolding for a couple of years. And it was a big deal when Huge. when it was being uh, made over for the the 1986 centennial celebration of it. Yeah, it was it was closed. I remember that too. It was a whole thing. How long it was closed, and you know, tourists couldn't go in it, and it was a big deal. The unveiling, and Dick Clark, the dude had juice. Like he had he had his hands in everything. You know, the guy, the guy and, could get things done. And I guess because I read also. That um, uh, an actor yeah. didn't accept the part at first because yes. he didn't want to be insensitive. Yeah. Well. But maybe Dick Clark used yeah. his power to convince him otherwise. Yeah. I th- I think um, also I, I read that he didn't want to do it because he didn't – he had no martial arts training and which – yeah, we clearly saw that, that wasn't an issue for anybody. I no, mean, there was no fucking no martial art. Like 90 yeah. minutes into it, there was like one thing where it was like holding a log or something. That was like the only martial arts in the whole goddamn movie. 
he actually he actually looked like he was doing more martial arts in the very beginning before he had actually been taught martial arts when he's when he's fucking <laughs> yeah, up the goons yeah. on the pier. Oh yeah, he, he fucks him he up. Brawl. Yeah, he's he like he gets in like a karate stance a couple times and like he I'm like, "Oh yeah, this guy's had some training." And that's the, the then the rest is just fucking elbows and fucking punches to the big and looping punches to the of, head. A yeah, lot of swiveled hips. A lot yes. of a lot of yeah. twisting. I so just love that like the government's entire plan for this program is to take a 43-year-old cop with no training and then start training yeah. him in martial arts. Like, yep, that's that's the that actually gives me hope as I age. I'm like, okay, I could still do it. Oh yeah, well, totally. And I to could be ju- the Tom Brady of the CIA. Yeah. So and to jump into the scene where they introduce him to like, hey, this is that we're the entire unit and we only report to the president. I had a laugh thinking about Ronald Reagan being on top yeah. of this yeah. secret yeah. unit. Like, well, I, I remember him saying a lot of I do not recall, like he was on top of this like little secretive group. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, the if you're if you're still hanging in there at that point, the entire premise of the movie falls apart right then because then he's like, oh, it's just you two guys like see you later. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm walking out now. Yeah. So uh, let me just for the for people that might not be familiar, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Also released as, and you're going to be shocked, they had an even stupider title in mind, Remo Unarmed and Dangerous, is a 1985 American action adventure film, like we said, directed by Guy Hamilton of the of the James Bond franchise. Oh, thank you. Yep. The film featured Fred Ward. Fred Ward was like, a, he was never a star, but he's like, he's an escape from Alcatraz. Like, he's a yeah. real movie actor. Had, had escape well, from I Alcatraz really like come out yet? Actor. Um, yeah, he's good. I had to come out yet. I don't know. I, I, so I know Trevor's so. hadn't yet. So that's the thing is I was right before we hopped on, I was running late, uh, from work, but I was going to try and read a little bit about this because it's like, okay, you know, Fred Ward had some, some roles and he's got some chops, you know? Um, I actually like Fred Ward for my part, but he yeah. didn't, didn't land in this movie necessarily, but it's like, why did they choose him? Cause the other guy that was going for this part was Bruce Willis. And that's like, what oh, I read. Yeah. We want like a more known quantity, but what else had he been in by this point? Yeah, because it hasn't come out yet. Escape from Alcatraz came out in '79. Okay, so that that must. But he was, but he was known, but he was very charismatic. I mean, he was he was more well known than Bruce Willis at this point, probably. Sure, sure, yeah. But but like not he was. I don't think anyone had asked him to lead a movie. He apparently got his start in Italian TV. Maybe that's where Clint Eastwood found him for Escape from Alcatraz, and then breaking news had a background as a boxer which is where he got that nose okay yeah oh he make- played oh that's right he played gus grissom in the right stuff that's right and he also had a decent role in silkwood like he was in real movies oh yeah no he's yeah he's a real actor he's still he's still around i saw him not too long ago in something yeah um oh the character's based on he oh he's a true uh, detective Others in the movies include, of course, Joel Gray. We'll get to him. <laughs> yeah. Wilford Brimley and Kate Mulgrew, who was another. I mean, Wilford Brimley, obviously. Wilford Brimley, this guy. Yeah. He was he was either fifty or fifty one when they filmed this. That's but just my yeah. favorite thing about his character is he never got out of that chair. <laughs> no, it's yeah, he never stands. Like they very clearly had him like paid for like. Two days, two days right. of work. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just going to sit here and you're going to film it and you're going to fucking like whatever I give you. And that's that. 
I li- and I liked his setup too, where he's like, he's like every, every guy that you've ever worked with in it that doesn't want to get out of his fucking office. <laughs> it's like, he's got a messy office. There's, there's like a reel to reel behind him. There's a bunch of fake shit that you don't know how it works and it probably doesn't work. And he's got this little computer and he's like, everything's in here, buddy. And it's like, okay, man. Uh, yeah, he's there. Kate Mulgrew is the, the love interest, the sort of, I mean, she gets hot for it on the battlefield for some reason. I, I don't know that she she's she a great paralyzed at some point. It yeah. was like so fucking weird because she doesn't like they don't they don't even meet till like over an hour in the movie, don't they? It's like what's going yeah. on here? Yeah, uh, well, other than their encounter, yeah, I mean, basically I they mean, have she's, the she's the, your she's the hero from the inside. Uh-huh. Like she was she was the one on the inside, like uh, that yeah. you are kind of pulling for that you mm-hmm. know eventually they're going to meet up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, she but she's smoking in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Oh my God. She, she was in a lot of stuff too. She was, uh, she was, uh, worked a lot back in the eighties. Uh, the, the character is based on, as Caleb mentioned, the destroyer pulp paperback series featuring this character, Remo Williams, uh, which in the movie we learn comes from the, the name comes from a bedpan, which is kind of a, a funny detail. Uh, it, it fared poorly in theaters and received mixed reviews from critics. Although it did shockingly earn Joel Gray, a golden globe nomination. The <laughs> Not film, only okay, it yeah. also got the, uh, the person who did his, his makeup, makeup. an Oscar nominee. Yes. Yeah. Just- I, Fucking and it was, bonkers. you know, I hadn't seen the movie in 35 years. And I mean, it's, it's so much more jarring than I remember. Just He looks like a burn victim, dude. Yes. He does. He does. He looks like the, a fucking Klingon or something. The, the makeup, the hair, the voice, like the whole thing. I'm just like, so how did they racist. do this? Yes. <laughs> Uh, it fared poorly. Th- oh, yeah, it's Golden Globe. Uh, the film and a Remo Williams television pilot both credited Dick Clark as executive producer. And I did also realize that the that the Tune character would have been played by Roddy McDowell in the TV <laughs> series. Uh, so they were they were never they were never going to go on a lesson series. Not learn. Hire a fucking Asian guy. Come yes. on, dude. The, the I actually read that there's yeah. talk of. Uh, recreating the destroyer right today, which I think they could still make something out of it, just yeah. not make this. Yeah, they could do anything. Uh, the film was supposed to be the first of a series. Uh, a significant set piece within the film takes place, like we discussed, at the Statue of Liberty. Um, the plot Sam Macon. I I had recalled that he had amnesia, but he didn't have amnesia, which makes this movie even more fucking mental. Like, just write it in there that his that his mind has been erased because if he still knows who he actually was, he never he would goes want, back once to check. Yes, he would want to escape this situation, and he really never has any, just give him a head injury in that fight, and then totally. It's over. Absolutely. Like they like, why even try to drown him? They at no, at no point in the movie does he go, Hey, call me Sam. I, what's enough with the why do, I have, bullshit. why do I have to be? He just Remo? accepts it. 
Yeah, Rima, it's he accepts a lot. I love so, how the government's just like, yeah, dude, uh, without your consent, we uh, killed you on paper and you're just going to have to do this. And this is these are your orders. And he's just like, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, exactly. He, just he, accepts- he said something like, what What if I uh, what if I refuse? And they're like, well, we already have a coffin for you. So they but they said they're going to kill him. But there's just those two older guys with him. Yeah. That's, he, they already, they already gave it up that they're, that there's only three of them. So why don't they, why don't they just pretend he's like, they, Wilford Brimley could be like, there's so many of us, you'll never know. You know, <laughs> just like give him the illusion that all, that it's not one fat ass and an old, old yeah. black guy that he's got to kill in the yeah. room. One guy that we're not even sure has working legs. So he can definitely outrun him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's got that cool computer that somehow is able to produce pristine crystal clear security footage in 1985 which oh, is I, yeah, you can't even you can't even get that today like the, every time there's a fucking jewelry store robbery i'm like this is the best fucking camera you have right there's, right 7-11 can't get better vis, uh, uh, right when visual? that guy got dumb with the uh twisted t pounding <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Still pretty grainy yeah pretty grainy uh sam macon is a tough brooklyn new york city street cop Vietnam era Marine Corps veteran. He is unwillingly recruited as an assassin. He's very willing to kill people right away for a secret United States organization cure. The recruitment is through a bizarre method. His death is faked and he is given a new face and a new name. Can I just say something really funny about the whole face thing? Yes. It's like, okay, so ostensibly he's been unconscious for who knows, days and then yep. whatever weeks and like they do the surgery and then he wakes up as they're shaving his mustache. Like that's the last thing that you did was shave his <laughs> sweet mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And the, the, before they changed his appearance, when he's still a cop, his mustache is like not even glued on properly. It's kind of <laughs> hanging off. And During the fight scene, it looks like it's peeling on one side. <laughs> it was, it was like when he was trying to sip his coffee, he went, I like that he, um, that he busts the guys up in the thing. And then he goes back to his car so he can finish his coffee. But he also had to just to give him a different appearance. They did the thing that they all, that they do in every samurai movie where they glue fake sideburns onto the guy. And I was like, it was just like that's all they did to change his appearance because yeah they didn't do up. anything to him did they no they did it, so he gets up and he goes oh I see you rearranged my face and I'm like how can you tell I, you just, they just think, gave you a shave I think he had some sort of uh, prosthetic nose thing yeah. in the first yeah. scene yeah yeah um, it was just no, one of those like dollar store disguises but they just took the glasses off he just has like a weird <laughs> fucked up nose right. and a shitty mustache. It's the Groucho Mark disguise without the glasses. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not like they changed his appearance enough that he couldn't walk back into his precinct and go, "Hey, Chief, I'm hey not guys, dead. They fuck me up. Yeah. They knocked me into the river." Yes. Um. So, did they pay the those randos to 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 attack him, or was they, were they following him as he's breaking so, up some sort of street gang? It was an if interesting may, plan. If I may, it doesn't yeah. get into this in the movies, but in the books, there are more than three of them. So they are. It's an organization created by uh, Kennedy. <laughs> oh, no. And it has to combat which, secret which, societies? Which brings up a great Gilbert Gottfried joke. He says, Jackie, where were you when Kennedy got shot? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, um, he, yes. So it was an interesting plan they had. They... First of all, like, what's he doing there? They're like, oh, he, 
he goes and he just hangs out by the docks in the dark to have his coffee breaks. Like, how did they, how did they know they were going to find him there? That was, that was his, oh, that was his beat. Yeah. That's yeah. I guess he just like, damn it. I pulled the scary warehouse again. Yeah. (laughs) And and they didn't just attack him. They hit him with a two by four with nails sticking out of it. Yeah. Yeah. See, and there was no pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. No blood. Um, yeah. And then they, they hit, they, Ram him with an armored car and it goes into, it goes into the bay, the river. Um, they rechristen him Remo Williams after the name and location of the bedpan in Macon's hospital room. His face is surgically altered and he is, tra- he is trained to be a human killing machine by his aged derisive. I love it. They gave him a fucking bedpan. What's up, Lieutenant toilet <laughs> An impassive <laughs> Korean martial arts master. Chun. Oh God! Here uh, we though go. Remo's training is extremely rushed by Chun's standards, this is again interesting. Remo learns seemingly impossible skills such as dodging bullets and running on water and wet cement. We'll talk about the cement. <laughs> Chun teaches Remo the Korean martial art named Sinanju. Remo's instruction is interrupted when he is sent by Cure to investigate a corrupt weapons procurement program he, he was he was army. put on he was put on earth to uh execute the 11th commandment remember thou yes. shalt not get away with it that's right that's oh, yeah that's right um let's do the let's play the trailer oh wait is this a, hold on i think i lost the trailer I've clicked the wrong link. here we go let's listen to the trailer America's top security experts have chosen this man. Don't take any chances. This guy's a killer. For a special mission. But first, he's got to pass one little test. Speak English. Does your nightingale sing? Hold it! Dodging bullets. The English thing was in the fucking trailer? Holy shit. Yeah. No, it's... I was surprised. We'll get more into this. We'll, we'll jump right into this. He moved like a baboon with two corrupt feet. However, I think I can do something with him. Goodbye, Mr. Grove. Who's he? No more boys. Um, this bad guy, Charles Grove, he was in lots of stuff. He's he got the um Tony Bennett uh hairpiece. Where it's just like so they they just didn't hadn't perfected the technology back then, so it's like you can't stop staring at it the whole time. Oh. Yes, we make them. There is none. Doesn't exist. These men will rob America of her might. He won't be with us for much longer. Unless someone relax can stop them. The fuck yeah. Concentrate. This age no time for prayer. Alright, you guys get the point. He's he basically once they pull him out of, once they pull him out of, uh, of the hospital, they, they pair him up with this dude, Chun. And you heard a little bit of it there. <laughs> Chun trailer, is, dude. he's, he's Korean. No, they didn't, they weren't embarrassed of it back then. Chun is Korean and he's, he's played by a very white actor. By Jeannie Bro- Bueller's dad. Yeah. Broadway actor, cabaret star. Joel Gray. And let's let's do that. Let's look, what, check out the whole scene here. Let me see if I can get this going. Oh, here we go. 
This is where this is where Remo. So they they take him out of the hospital and they're like, okay, it's time to start doing assassinations. And he's like, okay, if you say so. And they're like, okay, so here's a key, go and a gun, go into that apartment and kill the bad guy. And he's like, whatever you say, boss, and goes right in there. Like, not like I'm just gonna walk through the front door. Is that how assassins assassinations normally happen? So he comes in to this basement apartment and there's a small Asian man that so looks a like a wax. There's a small burn victim. He's, you actually kind of have to told he's a, be told he's Asian. Like if, if it weren't <laughs> for the voice, like if it was just a the picture of him accent. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think, think, well, he, what happened to that old guy quickly says like, he's doing like Koreans the, Michael are Scott. the best people on earth or something. He, yeah. he, he lets you yeah. know he's Korean. He's cosplaying. So let, let, let's, let's meet Chun. So here's Remo. He, he walks through and he sees this tiny Asian man. He goes, Oh, he's no threat. He's like, He's looking for the other bad guy, but he's, he realizes the door's locked and he comes hey, back to the tiny Asian. Open this. Yeah. He just assumes he's like the service worker or something. More racism. Speak English. God. Does your nightingale sing? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, how do you get out of here? The same way you came in. Uh, no good. There's a guy outside who wants me to knock off your boss. I am here alone. Now, do they, do they teach him to explain his assassinations to randos? In that, is that- <laughs> oh, shit. I'm here doing government assassinations. Can you help <laughs> and, me out? And, and they just give him a that- fucking picture of who he's supposed to shoot or anything. And he's yeah. like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. And, no masks. And just, just to establish that the guy is Korean, he's just sitting at a table doing... Uh, characters. He's he's like doing calligraphy yes. of Korean letters on on a piece of paper. He's I think doing calligraphy. He's sitting crisscross applesauce doing calligraphy alone. There is no one upstairs. That's a white guy. This is. This and he is, starts doing some slow motion Steven Seagal martial arts. Yeah, yeah they got the bamboo flutes playing and everything. God yeah, they it. do it all. This is this is, you know, 15, 20 years after the Gilligan's Island submarine captain. Like this is you just I realize it was still the 80s, but how how much cocaine were movie producers doing that they thought it was a better idea to put a white guy in fucking weird makeup and have him doing a crazy fucking racist accent than just finding some Asian guy He's to do doing the a Michael Scott Ping impression. Remember that? <laughs> yes, like, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, now look. Let's not make any trouble for each other. All I want to do is to get out of here. It is too late for that. Hold it. I don't want to kill you, but I will if I have to. This is so badass. The bullet dodging. And, I, I, and he keeps his hands in his coat. Of course, he's dressed in like a traditional Asian. Yeah. Don't servants. say Korean because we can't verify that. None <laughs> right. of you know that's traditional Korean. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. It's, it's, <laughs> it's some type of, I'm guessing like a servant's. You know, he looks like the butler, but I'm not sure. Yeah, he looks like the guy who, like, sweeps up puke in an opium den. Yes, yes, that's actually, yes. (laughs) Good description. 
he steals the gun away. He pops out the bullets from the magazine. I mean, it's just, he doesn't really, I mean, his martial art is very unconvincing. It's basically like the, um, he paralyzes. Yeah. He like grabs pressure points, but he's an old ass man. Like it's kind of hard to, and he, I don't think he was that old as a guy. Like they took a, they didn't even hire an old guy. They hired yeah. a, a middle-aged guy to play an old guy to play a, an Asian old guy and do the also, voice. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Korea actually has a very famous martial art called Taekwondo. Why yeah. didn't they just do that? Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, they yesterday, made one up. yesterday was Joel Gray's uh, 90th birthday. 90th. So shit. This was, what, 37 years ago, roughly? Yeah. He was the same age. He was the same age as Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Yeah. He was like 50. He was 50 yeah. something. Wilford looked a lot older than that, man. Yeah, that's true. Like shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it's just still hard to process. Like after having rewatched it and it just like, how was this normal? And then they were going to do a TV show also with a white guy playing Asian it's just like I don't understand. I just I can't I can't remember this being normal. Um, but it was. Everybody always complains about how oh you can't you can't make a movie like that today, and it's like, well, <laughs> you ever watch this and then thought about whether we should? Just yeah. because you can do something doesn't That's mean right. you should. Yeah. No, you definitely should not. Yeah. And also keep in mind, didn't Emma Stone play a, a Hawaiian woman? Oh, that's true. Like, yes. Like 10 years ago. But do they? Yes, that's true. Yeah. She's very white. Not, not Hawaiian at all. I know they sometimes take like Scarlett Johansson was in something where they just make, they take the source material, whether it's an Asian person and they just make them like the change it. Yeah. Like the, what's that movie about the, um, the blackjack, the people that, game yeah. the blackjack 21 yeah. oh, and yeah, you know, yeah. i read the book and in the book it's Every, everyone was asian from, they're asians from mit but then they make the movie and they're like oh nobody's gonna go see a movie with a bunch of asians. Yeah. oh i got yeah. kevin spacey his his facetime right exactly um yeah so so it was an odd choice um so what's in it for remo like he's the there's no financial conversation dogs. yeah there's no he, financial conversation whatsoever they, they don't really make it clear how they're helping the situation like they're like hey some people need to be assassinated and it's like he's just, uh, i need a little more proof. Just mangling hot dogs left and right yes <laughs> and just like yeah dude you're telling me i get unlimited hot dogs and i get to shoot people and probably a couple dogs i'm in yeah exactly and and then they're like okay so if you don't start doing killings for us we're gonna kill you and he goes okay i guess and then he moves in and they're like, you got to become roommates with Chun. And he's like, <laughs> you got to live with this dude. Yeah. So he goes and lives with him in his, in his loft and he immediately starts giving him parkour lessons. He's like, here's what you do. You got to run on ledges like those, like those Russians do on YouTube. Like just run on, run around on the ledge. And that's like the training. And then he goes, you got to, you need this special piece of wood to make your fingers strong. So why couldn't he just use the wall or just like a chair? Like he's like, it had special like 
uh, finger like striking spots on it, but it was just a piece of wood. Like it wasn't that special, but, but he, sh- he but shows that, him. Yeah. I, I had seen that from watching the Saturday morning Kung Fu movies that, that oh. training thing is a thing. And they all it is. And, yes. And Tarantino also used it in kill bill. Oh, the right. Whole, the finger point board. Like that is something. I, yeah. it, it's definitely like a martial art trope. Yeah, it's yeah, probably mostly for movies. Um, what else? There's oh, he takes him to the Ferris wheel. Uh, the Wonder Wheel, that. Coney Island. Yeah, yeah. that's so, my favorite thing about this movie is just like thirty percent scenes of him hanging off of objects. Yeah, it's it's a lot of hanging, it's a lot of jumping off poles, standing on ledges. He's able to learn how to dive into big piles of sand and pop out of them, which is important, I guess. It's a good skill to have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. In case case you, but put that well, on what resume. I would say is watching this movie was it, you could tell they wanted to make a, a, a James Bond type franchise. And it made me think of when they rebooted it with Casino Royale, they, they gave you like five minutes of him establishing that he's a new double O agent. And then he was not as refined on the job, but he was already doing things in this. There's like 25 minutes of training inside a loft with the guy. Yeah. And it's like back then in movies. And if you watch some, some like great old movies, three days of the condor or something like that, or, or um, French connection, there'll be an inordinate amount of time of, of of like shoes hitting pavement you, you see people walking and you see yeah they and it wasn't like oh we need to let this movie breathe they just wasted time a lot yeah like just get get right to it let's let's well, go it's, it artists you know they were they're they were making art these films i you could have done you could have done the wonder wheel you could have done all those things in one montage and then yeah. show that he's starting to assassinate yeah. a few other guys before the main kill and you could show that he's not quite as refined, but he's getting better on the job like they did in Casino Royale. Instead, there's like 25 minutes of just hanging out, doing parkour around the apartment. Yeah, at least do the Rocky thing and put some fucking John Cafferty behind it, please. Yeah, yeah. or say it's been two years. Say, uh, say, yeah. hey, it's me, um, Colonel Mack, I'm back. How's it? Be- how's the training going? It's like, you don't get, because... Remo gets like a Stockholm syndrome too, because Chun is a fucking asshole to him the whole time. He doesn't feed him. He's mean. He's mean. He makes fun of him the whole time. He watches soap operas. He won't let him get any pussy. He throws out his food. Yeah, Uh, he throws throws out his food. Pussy. I got to just jump in really quick. There is, this is true. There's a section in the book where Chun actually makes it. So, uh, Remo can't come. Hey fam, there's still a lot more of this episode to hear, but it's only available to our bonus content subscribers. Click the link in the show notes or go to theballerlifestyle.com and subscribe so you never miss a minute of the show. Sports and culture and whatever me. Talking loud covers conundrums, my brothers. Reviewing some movies and shows and others. Top podcast, man, no one is above us. Five star, even the haters will love us. And we're not trying to talk politics a lot. We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot. Shit's so hot, man, you know the shit's on top. Top podcast, man, it really hits the spot. Listen up, you players and shot callers, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller, and you know the show is so flawless, TBLS.